0: How do I know my worth? Um, I think honestly is the biggest question because I think what most athletes need to understand is what they're offering you is not the end all, be all of what the offer is. Like you can negotiate. Um, There is a negotiating
1: game to this. Welcome to the Car Ride Home podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by not only my friend, but uh, one of my business partners as well, Leslie Feldman. Leslie is a lawyer. Leslie is a former college softball player herself at UCLA um, and one of the co-founders of Players Collective. And we're also gonna share some of your other titles um, and stories and things that you've been, but Leslie, welcome to the Car Ride Home. Thanks for having me. We start, it's the car ride home. So we start every segment this way, just to get to know you a little bit. Very important in the car ride, you're controlling the music. What are we listening to? Country music, country music. To be honest, I was
0: not a country fan. I'm born and raised in LA. So people are always like, how'd you get into country? But it was a teammate of mine at UCLA who uh, was from Fresno, California, and she got me into it. And I've never looked back. And I love me some country music. Who's your favorite artist? I didn't
1: know it was country.
0: I, you know, I love Rascal Flats. I do love me some Carrie Underwood. Um, You know, just anything on the country station, I'm just in.
1: My Texas heart is so happy right now, Leslie. (laughs) The next most important, or maybe the most important, food. So in our car ride home, after the game, after the tournament, where are we stopping for food? Oh, gosh. I mean, when we're talking about my, like, travel ball
0: days, or are we talking about, like, my, like, adulting days now? Let's I go mean, both. My... Okay. My travel ball days, probably, honestly, Taco Bell. Like, Taco Bell was life. And to be honest, Taco Bell still life. I don't underestimate, like, a bean and cheese burrito, um, I still love them and still think they're so good. Um, but now that I've like to say that I've matured in some capacity, I love me some sushi and I'll never say no to Mexican food at, ever. So I think in some why we're
1: friends. Taco Bell yeah. is still amazing. My body just doesn't, you know, shouldn't probably have that anymore, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Car ride home that you're We could go so many ways, right? As an athlete, good, bad. But when I ask you, what is the most memorable car ride home? It could have been at your youth career, it could have been in college. What is the most memorable car ride home that you've ever had?
0: You know, I think for me, um, my memorable car rides home are, for me, I grew up in LA um, and I was that child that played travel ball in Orange County. so. Um, it was an hour, two hour ride with or without traffic as we talk in LA. Um, so it was a long car ride home and, um, we have this joke in my family that, and it started from car rides home that my mom started it. And we still kind of joke about it today that it was two positives before any negative. So. We would get in the car, and I grew up in a baseball family. Um, my brother played. Um, my brother played at San Diego State, and then um, my dad owned a baseball camp here in LA with um, a Pittsburgh Pirate uh, baseball player, Rick Roden. So I literally grew up around baseball. Um, so they, everyone had an opinion. So when I would get in the car, it was always like, "Why did you do this? Why did you swing at this? Why did you do that?" So my mom was like, "Stop." you need to say two positives before any negative. So you need to tell her two positive things before any negative comes out of anyone's mouth in this car. Um, And so honestly, even till today, like if you walk into a family dinner and everybody's kind of at you, I'm like, what happened to the two positive, like (laughs) negative thing? Like it still kind of lives on in my family. So to be honest, my car ride home are, are those memories because it was never like a bad thing. Like my mom would be like, nope, two positives before any negative and like my brother and my dad would do it. Like and sometimes it was like, you looked really great out there or, you know, you had a great ponytail, like it was, you know, but it would make you laugh, um, <laughs> before they got into why'd you swing at that pitch or why didn't you stay down on that ball? Cause you know, you know, your family always had something to say about your play, but those are the car rides homes that I honestly remember. And like, appreciated now, now that I'm older.
1: Well, I love asking that question because everyone's a little bit different, but the idea, especially with the Alliance fast Pitch is we have a, a youth audience and there's so much time that's spent, whether you're going to lessons or tournaments, there's so much time in the car. So I'm sure there's somebody out there that can definitely relate, uh, and probably has implemented very similar rules too. <laughs> Before we get into, because I'm excited, we're going to talk about NIL in softball um, and get into NIL, name, image, and likeness. It's a big thing. We're going to release this the the day before uh, July 1st, which will be the two-year anniversary of of NIL being passed. But before we get into the legal and the law side, I want to go softball, Leslie, first. So you talked about growing up in L.A. We all know that Southern California has had a long history uh, of travel ball. Um. still to this day. So what did, what did travel ball look like for you when you were playing? Um, and I guess too, what first introduced you to the sport of softball?
0: Um, well, to be honest, I played baseball. I played baseball with the boys till I was uh, in high school. And then I got to high school and everyone was like, you have to, you have to play softball. Um. So I didn't really know about um, travel ball at the young age. And To be honest, it didn't exist like it does now at the younger level. So I played baseball till I was 13 with the boys. Um, I pitched um, all through All-Stars. I remember going, I transferred high schools between my freshman and sophomore year. So I started a new high school my sophomore year. And when I walked into that high school, uh, I literally walked into a class and one of the guys said, hey, I know you, you struck me out and I was like, (laughs) Uh, which was probably a compliment, but then like at a new high school, you were like, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, so when I got there as a sophomore, um, I played, you know, freshman softball at the other school, but when I got there as a sophomore, that coach was like, Hey, you should look into travel ball. Um, you know, you should, um, start kind of looking around. So that's when I started to look into teams and kind of do some more research and, That's when there were a couple teams in L.A., but not a lot. And that's when all the teams were down in Orange County and just started to do research on, you know, all those teams and go down there and kind of see what was available for me.
1: I I played baseball, too, by the way. And it was not until high school that I actually switched over. Same thing. I'm like, I can't be the girl that, like, wants to date the high school boys that I'm on the same baseball team with. Totally when I made the transition. That was the thing, too, was
0: like, I think at that point, too, I was playing baseball and I started to have crushes on some of the guys and was like, well, this is getting awkward because they thought of me one of the boys and then I was like striking them out and I was
1: like, oh, you know. Yeah, you so. reached that point. I get it. I get it. What did you played for the the legendary Sue Inquist? What did your I recruiting did. journey look like it, going to UCLA?
0: Mine was different. Um, mine was much different because, to be honest, um, I probably could have uh, played and been more recruited at another university than I was at UCLA. Um, so uh, my my I was being recruited by more universities, but UCLA was. Um, just an option for me to go as a local um, and not as a a non-scholarship player and be part of the team versus be recruited at other schools. And I took that opportunity to stay close to home and be at UCLA and be part of a team um, that I had an opportunity to be part of um, because one, I wanted to be a Bruin and two, um, I wanted to go to UCLA for my education so that process was much different for me because i did go on recruiting trips and i did go you know to see ucla but it was just a different process for me because i wasn't offered the scholarships so i took the opportunity to go and be part of a program without a scholarship and just have an opportunity to be part of the team um knowing that you know i wasn't going to have a scholarship and that i wasn't going to have an opportunity to, you know, even have a position, but just the opportunity to be part of a team. And I was okay with that because one, it was UCLA. Two, it was the greatest program in the country. And three, like I got a degree from a university and it was close to home, you know? And I, for me too, my parents were here and I could they could come watch me play and all of that. So my recruiting journey was much different. Um, I thought, you know, I thought I wanted to go to a million other places. But at the end of the day, when I thought about it, I was like, I'm just going to stay close to home and take a different route than the rest of
1: the world. One thing that has not changed is the success of the UCLA softball program. It has <laughs> historically been one of the, the top programs. Can you give us, um, for those who might not know, give us a little glimpse of the, the four years that you were there, who you played with how many world series, take us back to those four years playing for Sue Inquist, what, what was that like? Yeah,
0: so I actually played for um, Sharon Backus, um, my first, yeah, I'm like, we're going I wasn't going to No, it's Kay, you can, because I love her <laughs> and Sharon Backus is amazing. And if you don't know who she is, you should, because. Yeah. So my um, freshman and sophomore year, I played for Sharon and Sue was our assistant coach. Um, so to be honest, my recruiting process and my initial conversations were with Sharon. Um, and I actually think I still have a phone call or a letter from Sharon that my mom still has, which like I will cherish to my heart. Um, so playing for Sharon was amazing because, um, Sharon was an absolute sweetheart. And Sue was the stickler and sorry, coach, if you're watching this. um, But Sharon would be like, Sue, that's enough. That's enough. And we would be like, oh, thank God. Um, (laughs) But both of them literally were the greatest coaches to ever play for because they balanced each other and just made us better um, as humans, as players. As just like a program. So our freshman and sophomore year, we went to um postseason. Um, we went to the World Series. I wanna say, God, we're gonna age myself, but I believe my sophomore year, the World Series was in Columbus, Georgia, because it was the wow. year of Yep, I'm aging myself. The Olympics. So they took it out of Oklahoma City and they took it to where the Olympics was going to be. So we went to Columbus, Georgia and played there that year. Um, So, but we did not win. So at that point in time at UCLA too, there hadn't been a graduating class that had left UCLA um, that hadn't won a national championship. So... We did not win my freshman year. We did not win my sophomore year. My junior year, we didn't go to postseason. So for the team that was, you know, just there and kind of feeling it right now, we didn't go my junior year. Um, And our senior year, we came back and we won it. So for the girls on the team now, I have chatted with them and I was like, we came back with a fire and we came back and we won it. Um, So my senior year, we came back and we were like, we were gonna be the first team to come back and be that first class to go out without a national championship but that didn't happen and we came back and we beat washington sorry huskies um we beat washington in the national championship to win um, my senior year
1: so that was kind of awesome so you, you finished mean. off your senior year with the national championship and then obviously go to, to law school and i think you have a really interesting story that's super important uh, right after law school and what you got into in, in sport law. Can you talk about your journey uh, through the, your legal career and getting into the agency side and athlete representation in sport law?
0: Yeah. Um, so I always knew I wanted to be a sport a sports agent. Like It was just always a passion of mine and kind of what I wanted to do my entire life. So When I was in college, I was always like, I'm going to law school. And when I get out of law school, I'm gonna be a sports agent. So um, when I got out of UCLA, I went to law school. And then when I was in law school, I was trying to look for um, areas where I could work in sports law. And the good thing is I had connections from all the athletes at UCLA. And there was a football player that I was good friends with um, from UCLA that was playing in the NFL at that time. And at that time, um, I was in law school in San Diego, the Super Bowl was in San Diego. So he was out there and his agency was out there um, for the Super Bowl. And he took me to his agency's um, Super Bowl party and introduced me to his agent and made the connection. So I got a job with his agency um, called Athletes First. And they're one of the top um, NFL football agents in the country, I'm still to this day. So. I got a job working with them um, my last year of law school and out of law school, um, which was amazing um, and was exactly what I wanted to do and kind of learned the ropes of sports agency world and you know everything that went on with it. So I worked there for a while and just kind of learned everything um, that goes on in the sports world, but it was very um, male driven and what went on in the male side of the NFL. Um, The cool part was Natasha Watley was just coming out of college at UCLA, um, and we missed each other at UCLA by a year. So I graduated as a senior, and she came in as a freshman. So while I was working at Athletes First, she was finishing her college career at UCLA and starting the Olympics, so she needed representation. So I connected her with Athletes First, and they helped her um, with all her career through – um, the Olympics and her endorsements and sponsorships. So I connected Tosh, um, with them and she may have been, and I'm not really sure one of their only female athletes. Um, I didn't end up staying there. Um, they had a lawsuit going on for like a whole bunch of other things. And, um, it was, they were with another sports agency and that sports agency sued them and there was a whole bunch of um litigation going on and they lost that litigation um initially and it went on for years so anyways long story short i didn't end up staying there um for the long term and i ended up moving back to la and i'm got into like what i call real law and got into employment law but i've always kept in touch with them Um, super good friends with some of the guys that work there, but, um, I've always had this love and this passion for sports, um, and just kind of always was like, I don't know, maybe someday it will come back and like, I'll be able to do it again, but kind of veered my career into just what I call real law, employment law, like litigation on the, the real law side of things. So just kind of was doing my own thing and just going about life until NIL happened in July of 2021. I mean, every once in a while, a UCLA um, softball player would call and say, hey, I got this contract, will you review it? And I just would because you know, they're family and Bruins. So I would like look over a contract for free here and there. I know, uh, my Bruins. Um, and then, Um, to be honest, the first athlete that ever really reached out to me was Monica Abbott and was like, Hey, I've been through, you know, agents and had a lot of people help me. But like, would you be willing to look at some contracts for me and help me out? And I was like, yeah, of course. So she was like, I get opportunities all the time. And, you know, I just was like wondering if you would help me. And I was like, yeah, like, let me know. And Monica just obviously was coming up on the Olympics, um, and so I'm like, send anything my way. And that conversation with Monica really started right before NIL took off and you know got approved in July of 2021. So kind of that's where it all came about to get back into sports and kind of come back into the idea of creating a sports agency again.
1: Before we get into what is now Players Collective and, and the origin story of that, I want to go back because I, I think it's interesting that you were at an agency, you know, in sports agents that worked with NFL players. And we don't see that, you know, the reason why Monica was looking for it, there's not just this abundance of agents that are representing female athletes. And I would guess it's because our playing contracts aren't the same as what major league baseball and NFL and, you know, all the, the big male sports. So when you were at athletes first and you were working on contracts for these football players, was it mostly their playing contracts or were there some brand endorsement deals? Oh no, they
0: did. Yeah, no, they definitely did both. Um, So they did the playing contracts, which to be honest, the playing contracts for a male NFL football player is much different than what we're talking about in our sports. Um, I mean, obviously there's the Serenas of the world um you know there's different female athletes that are obviously making substantial amount of money um but with the sports that we're talking about when it comes to softball or it comes to different sports they're just not making on their playing contracts the same amount of money so the nfl guys their playing contracts are obviously significant enough for them to make a living but they were doing endorsement deals too i mean i remember we did remember the campbell soup ads Um, where they were in um, with their moms, we negotiated a couple of those um, deals. So they definitely do their endorsement deals. And so NFL, um, Major League Baseball, NBA, the WNBA now, and the NWSL, they all have um, players associations, which set the specific amount of money that an agent can take. So you can take a certain amount of money off of a player's contract, And then you can take a certain amount of money off of a player's endorsements. So it sets it um, in the contract exactly how much an agent can take um, off a player's contract. And then they can actually take a little bit more off endorsement contracts. So it's it's all regulated by associations.
1: I think this is a good time to tell you about Pocket Radar and our partnership for Alliance members. Pocket Radar is the official radar technology partner of the Alliance Fast Pitch. Pocket Radar's technology is currently utilized by coaches at the highest levels of softball and by parents and players training in their backyards. They provide software and hardware solutions tailored for player development and recruiting. Pocket Radar's new app platform is a powerful tool for athletes looking to improve their game and have their metrics be seen by coaches across the country. We use Pocket Radar in all of our Stars of Tomorrow combines. And You know what's even better? Alliance coaches and families can get up to $150 off pocket radar smart coach and training bundle on our various buy days that we do with pocket radar and every alliance coach is eligible for that annual discount throughout the year learn more about our partnership with pocket radar and how you can receive an alliance member discount by visiting our website thealliancefastpitch.com and clicking on pocket radar under the partners tab I was going to ask you or, or have you explain to people that that's how agents make their money, correct? That it's, it's a percentage of the contracts that you're out there negotiating.
0: Yeah. I mean, from a sports agent standpoint, an agent makes their um, money off of a percentage of deals that they negotiate. So it's usually they go out and they negotiate a team contract and then they get a percentage of the team contract, um, the playing contract. And then if they do endorsements, they get a percentage of the endorsement contract. Um, Then, you know, people might hire a publicist that gets them into other things, but that's separate from an agent um, that gets them into, you know, events and stuff like that and publicity and in articles and in magazines. But that's a separate kind of entity. And you might hire a publicist um, on a monthly basis or a monthly retainer um, but they're all like a marketing person is different than an agent. So everybody kind of gets paid in different capacities. Um, and then you might have a lawyer to look over contracts. Um, usually an agency should or does have a lawyer that's involved in it, that covers it in that capacity. But sometimes people have a lawyer also because then you need a lawyer to look over the contract. So it just depends who you're working with. um, and you know what they include, you know, within the agency you're working with, because, uh, you know, you want to make sure that that agency has you covered because an agent might be able to review your, um, or to negotiate your deals. But once the deal comes in, is there an actual lawyer, like reviewing the contract and making sure that it's legally, you know, to the satisfaction that it needs to be from a legal standpoint?
1: Well, and this is all relevant now for our softball audience and for even the, the high school players that are looking, you know, they're about to go into college because of NIL, because of these name, image, and likeness, and the fact that college athletes can now monetize their, their brand, their name, image, or likeness and be paid for it. But now you think these contracts are coming at an 18, 19, 20-year-old I would have had no idea. Right. And so getting them the the proper support is super important. So now going back to shoot, I know we started talking in early 2021, um, about players collective and really kind of combining our passion. So I will tell my story really quick and then, um, jump into to your side of players collective and why, but I've always personally been passionate about the female athlete brand and how can we grow the marketing around and how can we help her, because a female athlete right now has to monetize her brand because of playing contracts. They're, they're starting to get better right across the different sports, but in softball specific, um, they're still not making a living for the most part, unless you're playing in Japan or, uh, multiple places, but they, they have to get, they have to monetize their brand. And so in meeting you who brings the the legal aspect of it, um, and at that time too, Chelsea Sweetos, who was super passionate, worked at Nike at the time and Instagram and kind of combining our passions. Players Collective was born. So can you tell um, your side of of Players Collective, of of why you wanted to get in the space to help female athletes and then tell our audience what exactly is Players Collective?
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, it started with kind of Monica reaching out um, with the initial contact. And then it was like, literally, I want to say Monica reached out right before nil took off and i had been reading a lot about like what nil was and what it might be and you know when it was possibly gonna happen but what people need to understand is like the nc2a was talking about it and when it might happen and then all of a sudden they were like hey we want nothing to do with this like it's happening you know go So the fact that it kind of rolled out so quickly in July of 2021, I don't know if everybody expected it to happen that quickly. So it did. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is happening. And this is happening so quickly. And I literally remember I was with Chelsea Sweetos, and we were on Instagram and everybody was becoming a barstool athlete. Everyone's like, I don't remember if you remember like the day That like nil took off everybody's like i'm a barstool athlete i'm a barstool athlete and everybody on instagram was becoming a barstool athlete and i was like okay these athletes these college kids actually have no idea what they're about to get into because one what they need to understand is you can't you shouldn't just become a Barstool athlete because there's compliance rules with every university that you need to comply with before you become any type of athlete. Two, you should look into Barstool and who he is and what kind of organization it is and you know what he's involved with to see if you even want to be involved in it. Three, like what is he giving you in exchange? What are you agreeing to? Like I literally was like sitting here going these kids are jumping at opportunities without even thinking about what they're doing i'm like they need help they need help so it really kind of came from and i remember um thinking like oh my gosh like i need to text all the ucla players that i know and say don't become a martial athlete like just don't do anything please until you talk to me like just please and they were like i did what do i do and i'm like oh my god you know what i mean like so i just was trying to like manage like like do damage control because i just was realizing at that point in time these kids had no idea what they were doing and i wanted to help and so i think at that point in time i was like i want to start something to help athletes and to be honest from being an athletes first and realizing that female and nothing I love athletes first they're amazing and what they're doing for football players is unbelievable but there's just for the female athlete especially in the softball space there's they don't make enough money to warrant the representation that a big huge agency might give that but they shouldn't be forgotten so I'm like these ladies still need help so I'm like, I wanna help them. And if we can help them, like, let's do it. So Chelsea and I were chatting. Um, and then Coach Enquist has always said to me, like, you need to meet Jamie Low Price. And I was like, we, I don't even think we had met in person we hadn't um, met. at that point in time. But she had always been like, you guys need to meet each other. Like, I feel like you guys could do something amazing. And that's so funny because if coach says something I believe her um, still to this day, like anything she says. And she literally just told me, I need to meet you. And I just remember calling you and being like, I have this idea. Um, I've never met you in my entire life, but I have this idea and I want you to be, (laughs) I want you to be part of it. And here we are. So uh, between your brain, my brain and Chelsea's brain, we kind of created,
1: we did. We didn't kind of, we created Players Collective. Well, and we... It's it's been so special too inside female ath you know inside the women's sports and what we've really been able to help and and let's talk softball specific because people probably have no idea like we see it right you see on SportsCenter, Center you'll hear about these big transfers the kid going to Miami that was offered a million dollars or Bryce Young at Alabama and what he's getting but softball players it might not be publicized but they they are getting deals and they are making money. Um, and they're getting approached quite a bit. So I'm curious, what are some of, when these athletes come to you, cause they've been hit up on the, in their DMS, right? What are some of the biggest, what are the biggest questions that you get? And I know we, we jump on with the, the college athlete herself and her parents or always invite the parents. Um, what are the biggest questions that you get from the college athletes and parents? I think one, like, how do I know my worth? um, I think
0: honestly is the biggest question because I think what most athletes need to understand is what they're offering you is not the end-all be-all of what the offer is. Like You can negotiate. Um, there is a negotiating game to this. I mean, yes, there are some brands that might say, nope, that's my budget, but also you can know your worth. and who you are, one as an athlete, as your brand, as your social media, um, to be able to negotiate that, to be able to kind of ask for more or ask for less. I am, And I say ask for less because they might be asking for 20 million posts in exchange for a little amount of money. So I think, how do I know my worth or how do I know how much I should charge for this or how much I should be getting for this is really um, the biggest question. Um, The other thing is, um, how do I know, you know, what opportunities I want or what opportunities don't I want? And in that, I always say, um, be authentic, like definitely be authentic. Do not just take everything under the sun, because if your social media starts to look like a walking advertisement, um, it's boring. I mean, look, I am a fashion girl through and through. And so I follow like a lot of fashion people on Instagram, but when they start to just post like that, it's an ad or they're, you know, getting paid for this, it's just boring to me. And it just doesn't seem authentic to me anymore. So just truly like partner with people that you truly believe in and that you truly like might use their product and would use their product. So it's just kind of those conversations of like, worth, authenticity, um, and then kind of understanding the rules and regulations of like, what does NIL require um, and what is the process of it? And the process of it is there's steps to it. So even before we get involved as Players Collective, um at the college level I as an a lawyer as an agent have to get certified by your university compliance department and I have to fill out paperwork with your compliance department to be approved as an agent at that specific university um and once I get approved and show them our contract then I can represent you and then we can move forward with representing you um and then any deal that comes through Um, We negotiate, we, um, you know, go through the process, and then once we get the contract, some universities want to see the contract before you even sign it, or some people, some universities want you to sign the contract through me, get it reviewed, and then once you sign it, then you have to submit it back to the university um, for their record. So, there's just a process, um, and... Why I am here as the agent lawyer is with each university that we have an athlete at, I know the guidelines for each university, so I keep you on track. Um, But if you don't have an agent, you need to know these rules because you need to stay compliant with it. Because if you're not, you are violating NC2A rules and regulations and you could risk your eligibility. So if you don't have someone on your team, if you don't have an agent, you need to make sure you're getting with your compliance team at your university and making sure you know the rules so that you're staying, you know, on track with what you're supposed to be doing when you get a deal. And to be honest, when I say a deal, it's not necessarily just cash either. If you are getting product, um, and some universities say if you're getting product up to a certain amount of money, you have to submit that too. Um, So you need to make sure you understand that also. So if somebody says I'm sending you protein powder, or if someone says I'm sending you sunglasses, if it's over a certain amount of money, you might have to submit that also to your compliance department. So you just need to make sure you understand the rules.
1: I wanna pause for a minute to tell you about the Alliance Fast Pitch. The Alliance Fast Pitch is a national league system for amateur softball. I like to think of us as the pathway to play and the pathway to develop. If you're a youth softball coach or parent of a youth softball player, we know at the end of the day, you just want what's best for your daughter. But sometimes it's hard to figure out where to go or where to start. We're here to help you with that and to make your job easier. Softball is an important part of your life, but it's only a small part of your life. Think of the Alliance Fast Pitch as your one-stop shop for everything. Build your fall, spring, summer of tournaments inside your region. Compete on a level playing field to earn your national championship berth. Join a community of fellow youth softball coaches, parents, and athletes Check out our national leaderboards for all ages. Understand where your daughter stacks up compared to her peers inside a region or even nationally. Help your daughter get recognized nationally through our player recognition programs and get access to all of the discounts and benefits of being an annual Alliance member. We brought the best in the industry into one home so we can provide softball families with access to the best resources at a more affordable price. We built the Alliance Fast Pitch on two principles, collaboration and putting the athlete first. Together, we can grow. Together, we can do better for our athletes. Be a part of the fastest growing softball community. We're here to make your life easier and your experience in softball better. Join us today. Join the Alliance Fast Pitch by going to thealliancefastpitch.com and follow us on all of our social media platforms. So it's so important. And that's what, between all of the, the rules or maybe now like not even some of the regulations, I think having somebody in the guidance in every school is a little bit different. And then i think the other side of that that just intrigues me so much is these college athletes they're going into business right they're getting real business because there's things i do now as the the ceo of a company that there's no way i knew back then of contracts and negotiations and and things like that or even managing the deliverables because once they sign that contract they have their side right where the athletes have to have to deliver What are you telling the the athletes that you represent? um, How are you kind of going through the contract with them and saying, hey, don't forget, like you got a post, you have X amount of posts that you have to do. What do those conversations look like with the athletes?
0: Well, I try just with our athletes, I try to keep them involved in the entire process. So even if we get a contract and I have to change a part of the contract um, and the language in the contract, I actually try to explain to our athletes what I'm asking to be changed because from my standpoint, I want to teach our athletes to be business women. So I want them to understand, like, Hey, this is what the contract says, and this is what I'm asking to be changed and why, um, because I want you to understand it. And I want you to understand why I'm asking for this to be changed because you should understand the process. You might not have to speak to it one day, but you will know how to, if you ever need to, or if you need to review it. Um, what's I think is really sweet conversation is like, sis Bates got asked, you know, a question about a contract the other day and she knew how to answer it for, you know, a friend. So I'm like, you know, makes my heart so happy that you listen to me when you're talking, you know? And she was like,
1: is this right if I say this? And I was like, yes, it is. I I do think it's important that they're learning business, right? And they're learning that they have a responsibility on their side as well. They're getting to understand contracts and then they have a responsibility on their side to actually, you know, however many social posts or appearances or things that they have to do.
0: So once we've gone through the contract and then they have to complete it, then the next conversation is, okay, here's um, the deliverables. Um, And usually where that comes into place is now we have Sierra Romero on board and she kind of gets involved when it comes to the deliverables. So if it's once a month, um, it's a social post, whether it's a reel or whether it's, you know, it could be a static post, which is actually on their feed. It could be a story. Then Sierra gets involved of kind of making sure that they create it Um, making sure that it, you know, is up to standards, making sure they're tagging the right people, um, and then keeping them up to date on like what needs to be, um, completed. Um, usually most of them, once you tell them like, Hey, you're due once a month, um, with a deliverable, most of them kind of keep track of it themselves. But once a month, we're usually like, Hey. You're due with a post on this, and they're like, Oh my god, yep, we'll get on it. Um, so it's usually a text message just to kind of stay on top to make sure. I think the hardest part with some of them was like, Some of them had deliverables like in the midst of season, kind of in the midst of like postseason. So it was like, Hey, we know you have like one more deliverable, and like you're in the middle of postseason, and I have no idea when your off day is right now, but like can you get this done? So that's the harder time because we wanna be able to manage like, they're still college students, they're still playing at the highest level and they also still need a social life and an off day. So we don't wanna overwhelm them, but they also are business women and they you know, signed a contract and they need to complete it. And they understand that. So they usually all write back and we're like, no problem. So sorry. Have an off day on Monday. Like we'll get it done. Um, as soon as we can.
1: Can you, can you tell the story? Cause we, we just finished up the world series and, and two of the players on, on Oklahoma, Grace Lyons and TRI e. Jennings are players, collective athletes. So we all as fans are watching them compete for a national championship, but they are business women and they actually, they have agreements and for brands there's no better time, right? From a business standpoint, all eyeballs are on those athletes during the Women's College World Series. Can you can you share how you worked with Tiare and Grace um, during their national championship run and dealing with the brand? My first my first
0: text is always like, "Okay, we got this opportunity. I know that you guys are in the middle of the World Series. I know you're about to check into the hotel." do you or do you not want to do a deal with and it was with ufos because it's not a secret anymore it's on social go check it out um uh and tag ufos um do you guys or do you not want to do um a social post for ufos while you're at the world series because they'd like to get the content um while you guys are there both of them were like yeah sure no problem they both wrote you know if we win the first day we'll have an off day this day if we lose we'll have an off day this day we'll try to get it done on our off day so what you guys um need to understand is when you do a social media endorsement for a brand that the university does not have a partnership with it can't have anything to do with in their case the oklahoma logo so we have to do it outside of Oklahoma's field, outside of Oklahoma's Jersey. It has to be somewhere completely separate. So they were like, we'll go to the gym in our hotel and we'll do it in the gym in our hotel. And I was like, you guys are amazing. So they literally did it on their off day in Oklahoma, in the hotel of their gym. Uh, on their off day um, in between the World Series. And I, I honestly think they went down there at like eight o'clock at night and shot it and they were texting me. And they were like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And to be honest, it just makes me so happy because um, they obviously were at like the height of the World Series had so much going on um, I know I'm assuming they had practice that day, you know, even though it was an off day, I'm assuming they had team meetings and video and all of this stuff. And at the end of the night, the two of them went into the gym and recorded content, you know, for an NIL deal. And to be honest, I thought it came out great and amazing. And when they sent it to me, I was just like, I, I love you guys so much. Like, this is amazing. So it's
1: the stuff behind the. Because you're right, it's on social right now. You can go look at Grace Lyons and Tiari Jennings' Instagram or any other social media and see that. But it's like, oh, wow, that's what went on behind the scenes while they're also managing everything else. Going, It's just crazy. Well, and I want to tell another story. Our, our most recent Players Collective athlete, Nijah Kennedy, obviously had, like, I get chills thinking about Nijia's run through the World Series. And... I think what people don't realize too it's very simple for me to go follow Nija. Well, that was happening. What did she say? Like tens of thousands of followers start coming in to to start following her, but also obviously brands are paying attention during Nija and Stanford's run. What were the questions cuz I'm assuming brands were already reaching out to you, right? We're not signed with Nija. You know, I know we're from Alliance All-Star Games, but other than that we don't really, you know, there's not a relationship but What were the brands reaching out to you about in regards to Nyjah? Well, so we obviously have connections um,
0: with brands just from the athletes we already represent and the brands we already work with. Um, And so if you watch the World Series, I mean, Nyjah did amazing and was all over the World Series, but if you watch the World Series, she had a Rip It face mask on the entire World Series. Um, and it was front and center. And so this past season, um, we had um, Grace Lyons and Skylar Wallace had a deal with Ringer and Ringer and Rip It are now one company. So um, the owner of um, Rip It and Ringer and I were text messaging and he was like, Leslie, Nigel's wearing a Rip it mask. And I was like, I know I'm watching it myself right now too. Um, which you, you know, is amazing because obviously every university has their deals with certain brands. So for the herd to be able to wear the Ribbit mask on ESPN, on air, right center, and obviously with the numbers that ESPN drew is great and huge for the Ribbit brand. Um, so just to get that text, I was like, no, I'm seeing this, like, this is amazing. I mean, for rip it, it's so cool. And, um, it was amazing. So I was already getting text messages just about the fact that she had that mask on, you know, during the world series. So
1: I think that brings up an interesting point. And people probably have a lot of questions about, because first off that athlete has to wear what the university has a sponsorship deal with. Right. So it's really tough. In our world of if if Oklahoma is a Nike school and they swing Rawlings bat, that athlete has to do that. What are you seeing in the space of, of college softball players and working with you know the different manufacturers or apparel companies? Um, is that happening? Are, are college softball players getting deals, or are they staying away from it because they have co- uh, team deals?
0: It well, it depends. I mean, you saw a Kelly Maxwell sign with Mizuno. Um, I think they signed Val Kegel too. Um, So certain brands are doing deals like with college girls. Um, So if if the brand represents the university, maybe they will do an NIL deal with that player. Um, You haven't necessarily seen other brands do it as much. At UCLA, uh, Nike did an NIL deal with a soccer player and a basketball player, Um, an NIL deal. I'd like to see more of that in that capacity, to be honest. I'm trying to push more of that Um, because with our athletes, we have some of them. um, We have obviously the endorsement deals for the pro level, but at the same capacity, um, you you can still get the social content and the posts from the collegiate player also. So you're not seeing it as much from the in, the brands that endorse the college players, um, endorsing specific players. And I don't know if it's, you know, an issue with, you know, team bonding and, you know, jealousy amongst the players, you know, in that capacity, um, university issues in that capacity. Um, but also there's also another thing of. A lot of these players play uh for team usa so they could have different deals outside of the university they could have different deals um that they just promote on their social media outside you know their university logos so it is a possibility to have a brand endorsement outside of their university that strictly endorses a Tiare Jennings the softball player or the Skylar Wallace the softball player um, that's not specifically the Tiare Jennings the Oklahoma softball player. Um, so it is a possibility and I mean obviously those are always the conversations I'm having with different brands to try to get them opportunities.
1: It's so interesting. It's still I mean we're two years into this thing. It's it's all over the place. We could probably get in the conversation about collectives too because I know actually Let's go there because that is, what is, can you explain to people? Cause there's rumors all the time, right? Like we look at the transfer portal and people are like, oh, they're giving her, this kid got X amount of money. Um, have you worked with collectives in softball and tell people what exactly, what is a collective?
0: Yeah. Collectives are, um, uh, groups that have been established through universities that, um, are created to, the best way to describe this are created to give opportunities for players to have NIL opportunities in exchange, um, for compensation. So rather than it be through specific, um, one they're supposed to help them reach out to specific brands and corporations through you know the donors or alumni of the universities so the collectives are supposed to be a group of donors within the organization or the university to bring about like alumni to bring on nil opportunities together um so think of a university building like an alumni base to create NIL opportunities. And in that, um, they're gonna create different opportunities for different athletes in different sports across the board. And in exchange for that, it might be through a specific company, it might be autograph signings, it might be signing memorabilia. Um, It's just kind of a different route of an NIL than doing a specific brand partnership. so it's different, and each university is creating them, and each collective is different. Um, some you might get uh, an NIL opportunity because this collective wants you to do a nonprofit, and they want you to go work at shelters or, you know, uh, a woman's shelter or. Habitat for Humanity in exchange for compensation, or another one might want you to do an autograph signing on the weekend, or another one might want you to sign memorabilia on the weekend. So they each have kind of different criteria in which you could um, be paid
1: out of the collective for an NIL opportunity. We're just breaking myths over here and and delivering facts here. So uh, people are still probably trying to process what is this thing okay but i think an important question that a lot of probably youth athletes and more so their families too have my daughter's getting ready to go to college she's gonna be on television right how do i get started what should i be doing as an athlete in this road of nil
0: well i it's funny i have some parents slide into the players collective dms asking me this all the time um and i was like be careful Is what I say, because I'm like, you're asking me about your 10 or 11 or 12 year old daughter. So, um, because it's not just about their playing ability anymore when we're talking NIL. So yes, does it help if they're an amazing player? Yes. Does it help if they're, you know, the next Nija or the next TRA? Yes, it does. Um, but NIL is also about your social following. Um, and your engagement on social media and that is what starts um, the process because you know even the athletes we're looking at I mean there's a bunch of athletes who I love and adore and admire right now um, at the college level and we talk about all the time and I'm always like I love her but I need her social media to get up because I don't know, even though she's so good on the field, I just don't know how much I can do on the endorsement side of things if her social media doesn't get up because you know, I can't you know make brands see how good she is on the field if her social media is not there. So it really is about social media. So I say, parents, be careful because at what point are you going to give them a social media? At what point are you going to open that door because when you open that door, it can't be a private social media because the private social media is only going to give you so many followers and you're gonna have to approve all those followers. Like we are talking a public domain, probably business account social media um, that's open that people can see and people can follow and that's why i say be careful and if that's the route you're going to go then i say monitor it and you be in charge of it because of the way of the world and you know the people in the world and you know i just don't want that for your your child right now so um when parents reach out to me on players collective of like hey what should I do for my 12 year old? I'm like, just be very careful because I'm not telling you to get your 12 year old, a public Instagram account, you know, but at some point it's got to be public and you've got to make it a business account and you've got to get it open. And you've got to think, is it going to be softball driven? Is it going to be, you know, it's got to have some niche of like, what's driving people to this account and what's making it different. And what's bringing it in, you know, like what's bringing attention to them to build a social media following and platform.
1: It's such good advice. And I would imagine, because parents always just want to do what's best for their kid. And it's in our travel ball world, it's already crazy enough that at 12U, they think they're getting their college scholarship. Well, now they think they're getting their NIL deal. And I just be like, pump the brakes, make sure your daughter enjoys playing softball first. And then those things will definitely come. I want to end this. Uh, I'm gonna put you on the hot seat, Leslie. So, oh boy, I'm gonna end with some rapid fire questions. You got to answer with the first thing that that comes to mind. Ah. Okay. All right. The what is the biggest myth out there right now about name, image, and likeness? That people are making millions of dollars. They're not. Some, not everybody. All right, Leslie. I know. Um, I know you're proud of all the deals for the athletes. Um, But is there one deal that really sticks out to you that either makes you the most proud or one deal that just hits home a a little different for you? Uh, Gosh, if you know me and my personality, like God, every time we get
0: a deal for one of our players, like I'm just like, oh, this makes me so happy because I just get so excited when we get an opportunity for one of our players. So I think if I had to choose one, which is so hard, but I'm honestly gonna say that the Champion deal for Nora Flatley, um, there was just something special about that deal because of what Champion did. Um, They did a campaign around the rapper Sweetie. And what I thought was really cool about it was they took an athlete from multiple sports um, and they had an athlete from every sport. And Nora Flatley um, at that time was a gymnast at UCLA um and they had athletes from different sports in this campaign and it was called get it girl and it was a commercial that aired um everywhere and it was just really cool what they did to kind of not only show like female empowerment but female sport um and then use you know such a high-profile rapper involved in it and i mean nora was great in it and featured in it so i think that was just really cool to see. And, um, what was cool about that, um, deal too, is it was not just the commercial, it was a multi-year deal. And then with it, um, came opportunities for her to be involved in other shoots, um, and, you know, partnerships with it, and then also a mentorship program. So if she wanted, you know, other kind of mentorship and, guidance in her career post-college, um, Champion was going to help her with that as well. So it was more than just kind of an endorsement deal. It kind of involved
1: more than that, which I thought was really cool and Champion's end. Very cool. I'm glad you mentioned the, the mentorship aspect. I always thought that was one of the coolest parts inside a contract for an athlete, recognizing that she's still a college student and it's giving her mentorship and guidance and, and developing her on the business side too, which I think is really cool. So shout out to, to Champion there she's actually
0: going next week to shoot their um gymnastics leotard line so it's not over yet
1: hey guys we hope you're enjoying the car ride home podcast hopefully we're filling the air and making your car ride home a little bit more enjoyable please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on spotify apple or youtube and leave us a review if you have any special guest or requests that you'd like to to hear or have us bring a guest or a story onto the podcast shoot us an email, info at thealliancefastpitch.com. We'd love to hear from you.